0: Good evening and welcome to the Dollar Dogs and Beer Podcast. I'm your host Andrew and joining me tonight is my co-host Joe. How are you doing Joe?
1: Doing good Andrew. How about you?
0: Well you know I kind of wish we didn't go to the walkout as much as we were all completely unfortunately expecting it but you know it is what it is. We're going to get through it and uh, I, I expect baseball to start relatively on time and hopefully not miss any games in the spring but Um, We'll get to that a little bit later. So, Joe, this is likely going to be our last podcast of the fantastic 2021 year that this has been. So what are you drinking for the last podcast of the
1: year, bud? Uh, I'm drinking ice cold water. I'm uh, very sober minded about where things are going. So.
0: Very good. Very good. Um, Tonight, since we're not going to do any more episodes for December, I'm going with a holiday beer. We are going with Victory's Merry Monkey. Um, One of their, they put it out every year. It's very similar to uh, Trogue's Mad Elf as well. I I love these holiday beers this time of the year. And the fact that they uh, bring a 10% ABV punch to the party isn't a bad thing either, in my frank and humble opinion. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Joe, let's get started. There were um, there were a few free agent signings that happened after we got off the air last week, the next day um, before we uh, hit the lockout and everything else. So um, nothing super major, but some big some important deals. I wouldn't call them all major deals, but some pretty um, important deals. Um, on the 30th last week, Atlanta did not make the same mistake two years in a row and non tender Adam Duvall. They tendered him a contract this time, so they're not going to have to give up another prospect to get him back from the Marlins or wherever he would have signed this time. So I thought that was a really good deal by the Braves to bring him back. Um, there was a trade. The Marlins picked up, uh, Joey Wendell from the Rays. They gave up, uh, Cameron Meisner. He's an outfield third base prospect. Um, the Orioles made an interesting deal. They brought in Rogan Dodor and um, the White Sox. They picked up Lori Garcia. The Pirates picked up Roberto Perez. The uh, Cubbies, Joe, they've been pretty quiet so far. And uh, in the course of two days on the 30th and on December 1st, they made three pretty big acquisitions. They picked up Jan Gomes on a pretty... Pretty team-friendly deal, two years, $13 million. They picked up outfielder Clint Frazier, and then this was the big deal. Uh, they picked up Marcus Stroman, uh, three years, $71 million. So uh, your Cubbies were making moves. I, I particularly like the Stroman deal. Uh, what do you think about that,
1: Joe? I mean, the Stroman deal was huge. Um, I, I mean, I, I called out at Jed, at Jed Hoyer on our show last week, and – Jed, Jed uh, got the message, I guess um so I think that's a huge move for the Cubs mm-hmm. um, you know to, to have two quality starters in there, Ozel is developing, so that'll be good. um you know that's an improvement right away um and he you know it seems following following stro on twitter it's, it seems like he's really excited about being in Chicago. And apparently he's actively recruiting Correa. So we'll see what happens there. If the Cubs could get Carlos Correa, talk about
0: um, really uh, super speeding the rebuilding effort. That yeah. would be massive. I mean, I it's definitely too early to say anything. We don't know what's going to happen with the new CBA. We don't know any of that or how deals are going to go down. But, man, if the Cubs pick up Correa... Holy crap! Watch out, NL Central next year. That's the Cubbies will immediately, I think, become the team to beat.
1: I I don't know if I would go that far um, as far as the team to beat. The the Brewers still have Burns and Woodruff and and those guys. So uh, you know, I'm not ready to, to you know crown them already or anything like that. But um, that would be huge. I think Gomes is a is a nice pick up to kind of solidify the catcher position behind Wilson and who knows what that does for Wilson too. I mean, cause this is Wilson's last year in Chicago if he makes it the whole year. So um, at least right now there's no other contract in place. So um, it gives you a, a, some flexibility there uh, to have a reliable day-to-day catcher. If you just had to move him um, or, you know, Six and a half million is not a bad investment for a solid backup.
0: No, I agree with that. And one thing to consider too uh Contreras was hurt quite a bit last year. So not only is he a solid backup just to spell Contreras, he's a solid backup to have around that may need to play every day for a little while if Contreras gets hurt again. And he plays pretty good defense. Too. I don't think his defense is quite as good as Contreras's, but he still plays really solid defense and uh it's not gonna be a major drop behind the plate he handles pitching staffs very well we saw that with Milwaukee um I I, I really like that acquisition for the Cubs. Yeah. And then um the Red Sox also uh, they went after James Paxton. They picked him up for one year 10 million. Uh Another big one, the Angels are trying really hard to not waste their years of Otani and Trout. They re-signed their closer, Rossiel Iglesias, four years, $58 million. Uh, A little steep on the price tag, but, I mean, Iglesias has been solid, so I can't really – closers are always going to be overpriced. I can't really fault them for making that deal. Um, and then the other big deal that came out on the 30th last week, Javi Baez to the Tigers, six years, one hundred and forty million dollars. He did not get that two hundred million dollar contract, and thank God he shouldn't have gotten that after striking out uh, two hundred plus times. That was absolutely—you you do not get a million per strikeout. You get. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you're if Fly the Dub hit this one again, we we had this in the group chat. They had that, you know, that you have the crying crying child saying that watching Javi play for the Tigers and then the happy child is not watching Javi strike out 200 times this year so um <laughs> there's a new Tiger King in Detroit look out
0: yeah he's gonna strike out a lot but you know he'll he'll, he'll hit a few hanging sliders that are only a uh, half a foot off the plate you know two feet off he'll miss it but <laughs> a half a foot off he'll be able to golf it
1: <laughs> yeah um, we'll see what happens with with him I think um you know, he, he got close to kind of what he was looking for. Um, and, and he has a chance to make a difference immediately with them, I think. Um, I, you know, I I think Met fans are going to be happy that they didn't do it. I think they're going to be much happier post-lockout when a, a couple other ma- moves are made by Cohen. You know, they've already gone toe-to-toe with Boris and gotten another boris klein a good deal in scherzer so uh, you know they might be willing to go back to boris and get kb in there and that would be you know hands down the mets would win the offseason again if that if that move happens
0: although as we uh pointed out winning the offseason doesn't mean did we squat when you end up third in the division with a sub 500 record after leading well, the division for to be oh, fair, right. all
1: I said, to be fair, all I said is winning the offseason. I
0: didn't say anything <laughs> else. I wonder if the uh, Mets are going to get busted on camera practicing their World Series celebration again during spring training. <laughs> I don't think
1: they're going to do that one again. That was uh, obviously there. I mean, I think expectations are still going to be high, but I don't think that they're going to do that again cuz that clearly, you know, as soon as things hit the toilet, that that started flying, man. That was crazy.
0: Man, that thing beautifully blew up in their face. And, I mean, I you know, I'm always going to be biased and enjoy watching the Mets suffer in, you know, misery because they are a division rival. But, my God, that was – even for the level of BS the Mets do every year, that was a whole new level of what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> like, if you didn't win the World Series – Every team in MLB was going to make fun of you, and the fact that one of your division rivals happened to win it and then gets to rub your nose in the dirt about it for years to come, not, not good thinking there. Not good thinking at all. <laughs> all right, enough of that. So let's move on to uh, De- uh, December 1st, the last day we had any deals that were done in MLB. The Dodgers, who have been pretty quiet, not making too many major moves so far, they re-signed their utility man, Chris Taylor, 4 years, $60 million. I thought that was a great deal for both the Dodgers and for Taylor. Um, a surprising move, at least I thought it was surprising, the Diamondbacks went after closer Mark Melanson. They signed him to a two-year deal worth $14 million. I believe there is an opt-out for either the team or for Melanson after one year. So, um Another hefty price tag for a closer, but that's again, that's what the going rate on the market is right now. Uh, the Twins they short up their starting rotation, which has kind of been in shambles since the end of the season. They they signed Dylan Bundy of one year, five million dollars. Um, and the Red Sox they weren't done. They went after the venerable left-handed pitcher Rich Hill, who is also an Atlantic uh, former Atlantic League pitcher or local minor league around here that our uh, Lancaster Barnstormers play in. So uh it it's you know he he uh in an interview a while ago pointed out that if it weren't for the Atlantic League uh there'd be 40 million dollars he never would have seen. So that's uh, that's really cool for Rich Hill. And then uh the Brewer, the Red Sox were also trading with the Brewers. They um traded uh hunter renfro to the brewers and picked up jackie bradley jr who previously played for boston if i'm not mistaken and two minor leaguers infielder david hamilton and infielder alex Benellis. so the red Sox, uh they're not going away anytime soon i like i like the pickups that they made um the padres they picked up right-hander nick martinez four years 20 million dollars Jason finally had something to celebrate. The Phillies finally got off their hands and stopped just making uh waiver acquisitions and low level acquisitions. Uh, they went out and picked up uh, closer Corey Knable for one year, 10 million. Um, and then, like I said, the brewers, they picked up Renfro from the Red Sox. So, uh, you know, the last two days of free agency before the lockout, they weren't as crazy as that, as that first week or two. I mean, we didn't see any, uh, You know, the biggest deal we saw was Javi Baez's deal. But we still saw some pretty important pieces move. Um, I know the Phillies, they have to be overjoyed to get Corey Knable. And one-year 10 mil, again, closers are always going to be overpriced. But I think Knable's worth the investment. And God knows the Phillies had to improve that bullpen. That bullpen single-handedly has uh, handcuffed that team for years now and is needed to be overhauled and fixed and front office has just ignored it. And I think finally they have uh, realized that they can't keep doing that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just like, just like an NFL team, neglecting the offensive line. You just can't do it. Yeah. Um, You know, it doesn't matter what, what quarterback you have back there if it can't have time to do anything. Um, And, and when you have as unreliable a bullpen as as Philly has had, um, you know, that's just not going to get it done for you. And if they had gotten through this offseason without making any deals in the bullpen, they should all be fired. It's, I mean, that was insane.
0: Yeah. Especially after letting their best bullpen piece go in Hector Naris, who earlier signed with the uh, Astros.
1: Yeah. I mean, once they found a, a role for him, he really, he really flourished. And so I was kind of surprised that they didn't. Keep them there, and and keep them in that role for another year or two, and see what happens. But, um, you know, I think the Diamondbacks you have to start somewhere, so they felt like maybe starting in the bullpen with Melanson. Um, so, you know, mm. maybe that'll help win them a few more games. Um, but I don't; I, they're just too far away, I think, from being a serious contender. But, I mean, they did almost almost sweep or sweep the Phillies this year. So who knows?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that was so weird. The Phillies, the the knack they have for playing down to their opponents, they'll play up to the big time opponents and then they'll play down to absolute garbage competition that they had no right losing to. I mean, you can give the diamondbacks the home series because teams, you know, of course teams generally tend to play better at home. Right, but the series in Philadelphia that that was pathetic.
1: Yeah, I think the other thing too, you look at we, we talked, you talked about the Angels and the, some of the deals they made. Um, it you you gotta make it you know worth tr- Trout's while to stay there for another well, I don't know how much longer that is ten years maybe yet. <laughs> you know, you've got to make it worth your while. I mean, if if they just you know they finally make some moves, you know, closer, and I think. You know, Syndergaard, Otani, uh, it, it, this is, you know, they've, they've, they're they've a few pieces away, but they're at least making moves in that direction finally.
0: Mm-hmm. And pitching. Instead, been...
1: instead of just kind of hanging their hat on, on having Mike Trout there, it's like, well, why have Mike Trout there if you're not going to invest in anything else? Right. Um, to the service to Trout and to your, your, your club and your fans. Um, I, I was surprised that Boston let Renfro grow, but I think Bradley might be a better, maybe better offensive player. I don't know. I think defensively Renfro was pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, made a couple of huge plays, both in the playoffs and down the stretch. Um, I think Rich Hill will provide some stability for that rotation. I, I mean, and, and knowledge and, you know, length of, of, service for him. He's obviously got a lot of experience that I'll help out. So.
0: Yeah, I Rich Hill, I don't expect him to do a ton for Boston next year. He's probably going to be their three, four, maybe their five guy, but the leadership he's going to bring and the experience. He'll bring to that, to all those young pitchers on that staff will be absolutely invaluable. He's got some postseason experience that he can bring them as well. Um, if the Red Sox are able to get back next year, I mean, let's face it. The AL East is going to be rough to get through next year. We don't know what Toronto's going to do completely. I mean, they lost Robbie Ray. They did pick up Kevin Gossman, though. I mean, Gossman had a great year. Don't get me wrong, he didn't have the Robbie Ray year. So Toronto's pitching won't be likely won't be as good as it was this year, but their offense is going to be just as potent as it was this year and probably even better. You know, now that Vlad Guerrero Jr. has another year under his belt. And he's, let's face it, dude, he's going to come into next year pissed off that he didn't get the MVP that he probably should have been able to get. So uh, I I expect Vlad Guerrero Jr. next year to try and break and shatter as many records as he can offensively for the Blue Jays. So the Red Sox, were I think they were smart making these moves. I'm kind of with you there in the outfielders. I don't really... I don't know that um, Jackie Bradley Jr. is that big of an upgrade over Hunter Renfro, but I don't know. I also will admit I don't know anything about the two minor leaguers, they prospects they picked up in the deal, too. Um, Maybe that was a position of depth that they thought they needed in the organization. Um, Keep in mind, too, depth is everything now that, you know, let's face it, the covid pandemic is nowhere close to ending so we we may be seeing teams make more depth moves like this so if teams have another big outbreak as a couple teams had this year to uh make sure that they have the depth there to be able to cover um you know if teams uh you know if, if they've a lot of players that you know have to go out on the covid il all right, guys, uh, we lost Joe for a second there. So as soon as Joe pops back on, I will, uh, <laughs> I'll let you know. Um, so looking ahead at the top free agents, a lot of the top free agents have now been signed and taken care of. Um, really, we we talked about it last week that catcher that, uh, was a really, really weak position um, across the board. And uh, Jan Gomes is now off. Roberto Perez is now off. Um, Kurt Suzuki is pretty much your best remaining, um, catcher, free agent catcher that's available. Um, most of the first basemen are still available. Freddie Freeman's still available. Brad Miller's still available. Rizzo's still available. And Zimmerman's still available. Um, I'm still really, really ticked off that the Braves have not re-signed Freddie Freeman as of this point. Um, they should have had that done already. Not gonna lie. that's that that's really bad in the front office to not get this done. Um, Ryan Zimmerman, I do not expect him to go anywhere other than the Nationals. Um, hey, Joe's back. Welcome back, Bud. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. I don't know if that was on my end or on your end, so, uh, whichever. Um, so Joe, what I was pointing at, what I was pointing out when we got cut out was, um, that I think organ- a lot of organizations would probably be making more moves like this just to make sure they have the depth in case there's an, you know, teams have another large scale COVID outbreak just to make sure that they're not stuck with, uh, lower level minor leaguers that they have to quick rush up. I think they're going to want some more, some better depth pieces on the bench, just, just in case, because we saw several teams last year that got really handcuffed when they had a large outbreak, uh, look at like the Yankees and the Phillies right after the All-Star break, for instance.
1: Right. I think that's a huge uh, a huge thing is just the, the guys that end up out, like you said, and, and having depth pieces who can really be productive immediately at a moment's notice and, and, and really fulfill that next man up mentality. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some some guys have it, some guys don't, but um, I think having some depth pieces that have experience, at least in triple A you know, maybe high double A stuff that gives you some pieces who are capable um, should that happen. So,
0: yeah. All right. So um, Joe, what I had started to move into uh, when you disappeared on me um, I was looking at who's left in the top free agents in each position group, you know, like I, like we mentioned last week, catcher depth sucks. Um, If you need a catcher, this is a really, really bad time to be searching the free agent market Uh, by my, by my best guess, the best guy out there is Kurt Suzuki. So that should tell you how catcher depth is in the free agent market. Um, First baseman. There's still a lot of good guys available. I'm still royally pissed off that Atlanta didn't make a deal with Freddie Freeman before we went onto this lockout. Um, Frankly, I, I said it before. I'll say it again. The Braves should have given him a blank contract and blank check and said, write whatever the hell you want in here. You've earned it. Um, well, and, also, and the
1: crazy thing is, is that the numbers he's asking for are not ridiculous.
0: No, I completely this agree is
1: not, you. you know, Manny Machado numbers. This is like, this is a steal. Right. It's a like, damn thing. And like Freddie, Freddie's
0: what, 31, 32, like, so he's going to be 37, 38 when the contract rolls up, rolls up. He's not asking for a $200 million contract. He was at last time. I saw it was like six years. 160 is what he was asking, which I I don't understand why Atlanta didn't jump the hell on that.
1: Yeah. I'm completely shocked by that, but I I think the only thing that this does for, for Atlanta is it create more doubt and create more opportunity for someone to come in and go here. If they won't give it to you, we will.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And let's face it. When Chipper retired, Freddie became Mr. Brave.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. He, he picked up,
0: Yeah. He picked up that torch from Chipper. He is the guy who has been there throughout the rebuild, throughout those terrible years. And, you know, from, 2013 to 2018, 19, he was the guy that was there. Reward right. the man. Cause he took a pretty yeah. friendly contract last time. So give the man his money.
1: You would think they would. And especially when they, when they traded, you know, Bryce ball back at the trade deadline, you, you said, well, if they're trading him, that means Freddie's gotta be locked in and we're still waiting for Freddie to be locked in. So
0: yeah, and I stand by what I said, and I still think it w- the deal will get done. It should have been done the day after the freaking World Series, or maybe the day after the World Series
1: parade. It, it, this thing should have been done at the All Star break. This is nuts.
0: Uh, frankly, it should have been done before the season started.
1: <laughs> right, but like any time before now, it should have been done already.
0: Yeah, yeah, no reason at all for this deal not to be done.
1: Um, Also available at first base, Brad Miller's
0: still available. Rizzo's still available. Ryan Zimmerman's still available. Let's face it, if Zimmerman comes back, he's going to the Nationals. He is Mr. National. He's not going anywhere. Right. He's another guy. You know, Zim, let us know if you want to play and uh, let us know how much to put on the check. Basically. Yeah. All right, so second baseman, most of the big second basemen are gone. Semyon was signed, Taylor was signed, and Eduardo Escobar was signed. So that leaves uh, Josh Harrison and Donovan Solano. So second baseman went off fast. Uh, two of the four shortstop are gone. Javi Baez signed, Corey Seager signed. But Carlos Correa is still available. Trevor Story is still available. That's uh, that. Those two, I still think, are going to get 200000000 dollar deals, no matter what happens with the CBA.
1: Yeah, and I think um you know, I think Trevor Story's a good fit pretty much anywhere, but he would definitely mm-hmm. be a, a great fit in Philly if they're able to, if they're willing to spend the money. Which I they should they be. Have, yeah, they have to be.
0: They're crazy they, not you,
1: to. You have to. I mean, Didi has been such a liability. I know Jason's said that many times. You you've gotta do something at short. Well, and here's
0: the thing. didi has been a DD's been a liability for them both with his glove and with his bat. Right. He the Phillies' defense this past year was atrocious. And um that's uh, I know they've got some minor league guys that are on the cusp of coming up to MLB. But when a guy like Trevor Story is available who plays really good defense has a great bat would be a great fit in Philadelphia. I mean, think think about that lineup of uh, think, think about that middle of that lineup with Bryce Harper Trevor story JT Realmuto, and Reese Hoskins
1: that's 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 a dream there
0: yeah uh, I, I can't think of why you wouldn't go for
1: that no Gene again Segura is, is a quality bat yep um, you know yeah they've got to make some they got to make some kind of move here you think but
0: yeah. Well, they also need to make a move out in the outfield too. So that's the the only reason that makes me think they won't go necessarily go after Trevor's story is because they have minor league guys that they could bring up and cover the middle of the infield with Segura, because outfield was a hole for them outside of Bryce Harper and right field, obviously, um, center field and left field, defensive liabilities and very light bats. So I. You know, I keep in mind one of the guys that they had on their bench, Jay Bruce, was playing fairly often, and Jay Bruce is not at the point where he should
1: still be playing regularly in left field. No, and I mean they did have Cutch in there, and Cutch was was a a strong leadership for them. He had a a good good offensive season, yeah, um, but they didn't re-sign him. So you you've got to make a move in the outfield, and you gotta make a move to shore up your infield.
0: Yeah. Whether yeah. That's I,
1: third, whether that's third base or short, I mean KB's on there. You could easily get, I think, KB to play third. KB can play center. K B can play anywhere basically, but he hasn't caught and and played He hasn't caught and hasn't thrown yet. So Yeah. Well, I
0: mean, let's face it, with the Phillies pitching outside of Canable, that bullpen doesn't scare anybody. So, you know, it's very possible that the Phillies might be throwing position players at some point next season. So if they would sign KB, uh, he would be available to pitch. I
1: I would really like to see them go after one of those two Philly, Phillies got to go after one of those two guys to shore up that infield. Well, you know, another name
0: I heard batted around for Philadelphia was Nick Castellanos as well. Um And we thought Winkler and Castianos was if was a phenomenal outfield. Imagine an outfield of Harper and Castianos. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. What, yeah, what does does Castianos play right? Uh He plays right, but he could probably play left too. Okay. So, or they could move Harper. I I, I think the th- the thing with that ballpark in Philly. The, the corners aren't terribly deep. It, it's the power alleys that are deep, um, especially left center field. So right. you want your speediest outfielder in center. So it's probably not going to be Harper, and it probably wouldn't be Castellanos. So that might be, a, like, that might be a spot where Philly might just go after a guy who's got a good glove and a little bit of speed and sacrifice a bat and just bat him eighth. I, I could see them doing that just because defensively in that ballpark. Um, I don't know that I, given Castellanos' injury history, I don't think I would want him in center field at Philadelphia.
1: No, I'd agree with that.
0: So, looking at the third baseman, as you alluded to, uh, KB is there. You know, they have Melissa as the top available third baseman, but obviously he's really a utility player who can play anywhere. Um, Also, Matt Duffy, Kyle Seeger, and Jonathan Villar are all still available. So third baseman, there are plenty of options out there for the team still looking for third. Um, Left field, the only big name that's come off so far is Mark Canna, who went to the Mets. Schwarber still available, Corey Dickerson, Brett Gardner, Andrew McCutcheon, Tommy Pham, um, NLCS MVP Eddie Rosario is still available. Um, in center field, uh, the, the big name that came off is Starling Marte. Adubo Herrera is still available. Kevin Pillar is still available. And in right field, the only name off the board is Avasil Garcia. Um, like I said, Castellanos is still available. Conforto is still available. Jock Peterson is still available. And Jorge Soler, although truthfully, uh, Joe, if as, as what seems to be the case, the universal DH comes, I 100% expect Soler to be moved at, into the DH position for some team.
1: Yeah, I'd say the same thing for Schwarber too. If he went NL and um, and a DH comes in, he he'd be DHing half the time, if not um, more. Yeah, uh, um, there's a lot of good outfield talent there. I'd like to see you know, um, I'd like to see the Cubs pick up somebody for the outfield. You got um, you know, Hayward's kind of on a, on the tail end of his career and. Um, you know, I think they need some some more pieces there, but um, yeah, I mean, you have to. These teams, you just wonder how quickly some of these guys are going to fly off when when things open back up. So,
0: well, and especially if they don't get the deal done until February, right before spring training starts, mm-hmm. we we thought free agency was chaos. Now, it's going to be even more insane than I think.
1: Yeah, I mean. The longer this goes on, we don't. I mean, obviously, it's only been a week, but the longer this thing goes on, the the worse it is for the game. So,
0: a hundred percent agreement there. Um, DH Nelson Cruz is still available. Jed Lowry's available. Pujols is still available. I, I was kind of surprised to see Pujols still on there. It seems like he was going back and forth as to whether he was going to retire or not. So we'll see if uh, Pujols get. I think for Pujols, it's going to be if a contender doesn't offer him money, he's not going to come back and play for a rebuilding team. It's unless maybe he decides to come back for the Cardinals for one last, uh, one last hurrah kind of deal, like uh, Glavin did with the Braves at the end of his career. You know, or a you know, player like that.
1: Yeah, I could, I could see him doing something like that with St. Louis, or, um, you know, I don't, I, don't, I can't see him playing every day, so. No, definitely Um, not. You know, and and maybe not even, you know, a third of a year even really uh, game-wise. But, uh, yeah, I think it would be really neat for him to go back to to St. Louis for, you know, half a season, the whole season,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: finish out, and and call it quits and be done with it.
0: Yeah, I I would expect he would be a platoon guy, probably primarily the starter against left-handed pitching.
1: Yeah, I think if and if they do if they do the universal DH, then he'll be back with the Cardinals and he can just hit all 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 season. So. Yeah, let let's face
0: it. I mean, his defense wasn't terrible at first base with the uh, Dodgers, but there's a reason he wasn't their everyday starter most of the time at first base.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean the fact that he's you know what forty close to forty close to it, yeah, yeah, I, it, that certainly doesn't help. Um, yeah the amount of injuries he had in, in St. Louis and Anaheim. I mean, yeah, it, it, you know, it's it catches up to you. So,
0: yeah, yeah, dude's got a lot of miles on him.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: the right-handed, the, the top right-handed starters, most of them are gone. Scherzer signed, Cobb signed, Di Sclafani signed, Gossman signed, Gray signed, and Marcus Stroman signed. The only big, big, and I use the term kind of loosely, the first guy two right-handed starters that are left is Zach Grinky? And I use that loosely because he he's getting on the tail end of his career. He's a depth guy, nothing more than that at this point. And then also Michael Pineda is still available as well. So, um, I yeah, I don't know where I see Grinky signing. I, I feel like he's going to be one of those last guys who gets signed right before spring training for a team that just needs more depth starting. I, I don't see him getting a big deal from anybody.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I, I, it'll be some sort of, you know, if if there's a team that's going to the six man rotation philosophy, or, you know, he'll be a fifth or sixth starter or a long reliever, mm-hmm. I would think. Yeah. And then the left handed
0: starters, a lot of the big ones are already off the table. Robbie Ray's off the table, Stephen Matz is off the table, and Alex Woods off the table. So your top remaining left handed starters, you got Jay Happ, Clayton Kershaw, Carlos Rodon, and Drew Smiley. Rodon's going to command big money.
1: And he probably should. Um, yeah. the, the way the way he pitched most of this year, um you know, I you can't carry a team on your own, so you know, obviously we've we've driven the point home about the White Sox, but yeah, Rodon should command some good money. I mean, who see who's willing to spend it. Yeah. I wouldn't say no to Atlanta spending it, but I don't think
0: that's where they want to spend their big dollars this off season. I think the big money for Atlanta this off season is going to be either another outfielder um, or probably more bullpen help just, just because you can never have enough bullpen help.
1: Yeah, I could, I could see, um, I don't know if they would do it, but if, if Kershaw's just looking to kind of play another year and be done or two years and be done, I don't know what his, Mentality is, but if he's not looking for a huge amount of money, you know, um, or or crazy exorbitant deal, Cubs pick him up.
0: Yeah, God, I wouldn't say no to Kershaw either. I don't think any team should say no if Kershaw said, "Hey, I'll come play with you as long as the deal's fair." Yeah, um, if,
1: if if the deal's fair, if that were to happen in Chicago, you would have. Hendricks, Strowman, Alzali, Miley, (laughs) and Kershaw.
0: Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, it's not those guys in their prime. But no, I would certainly
1: be happy with that, though.
0: Yeah, and honestly, a guy like Alzali being able to learn from both um, from uh, both Hendricks and Kershaw, that would be amazing. Oh yeah, same for Strowman. That that would be huge. Um, personally, though, Joe, as much as we like to banter it around, if Kershaw comes back, I feel like it's going to be back to the Dodgers. Oh I, yeah, I, I would I, be I shocked agree. to see him go anywhere
1: else. Yeah, he, he he's just like Zimmerman is Mister National, Kershaw is Mister Dodgers at this point.
0: Yeah, and he's earned it. I, if I'm not mistaken, he's one of the few starting pitchers to pick up an MVP in the last 20 years, along with Asai Young. So yeah, eh, not bad. No, you know. What we'll ignore is uh mostly mediocre playoff stats for yeah. that. Because <laughs> let's face it, uh playoffs was were not always very kind to Mr. Kershaw. No, not at all. But you know, that said, uh starting pitcher who went to the Hall of Fame for us, Greg Maddox. Postseason was not always kind to Greg Maddox either. Yeah. All right, the uh, left, the right-handed relievers, um, obviously Iglesias and Neris have already signed. Um, I I think Ryan Tepper signed as well. I can't remember. Um, here are some of the names that are still available. Brad Boxberger, Archie Bradley, Alex Colome, Kenley Jansen, Ian Kennedy, Adam um, Odovino, Mario Petit, and Steve Chisick. Although I, I feel like I'm missing some names that were already signed. Um, so, you know there are still good names or there are at least solid names out there for right-handed relievers um, left-handers. I, th- I I'm pretty sure Aaron loop already signed Andrew Chaffin and then Jose Alvarez. So um, lefties, the depth is not there for left-handed relievers, but there's decent depth there for right-handed relievers. So um, I do expect teams to be taking advantage of that pretty quickly. Once the new CBA is signed, because you can't have enough pitching. I, I, I cannot ever say that enough. You can never have too much pitching.
1: No, absolutely not. Uh, Tapera still hasn't signed yet. He did play with Toronto and the White Sox and the Cubs in, in the last couple of years. Um, he's he's a strong I – mean, he's, he's a workhorse, man. He's pretty good. Um, Luke did sign um, – I forget one of the other lefties you, you mentioned. I think Chaffin. I feel I, like it was Chaffin, but I can't remember. I didn't think he signed yet, but, I mean, he's he's entertaining as much as he's anything else. Um, you know, he he's something else, but he's definitely entertaining.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, let me see here. He's it's not
1: just, signed yet. Um, no,
0: you're right. He didn't sign yet. No.
1: Oh yeah, he did. He's,
0: oh no, I'm sorry. He was with the Athletics yet he, he wasn't resigned
1: yet. No, um, yeah. nicknames is a big country and the sheriff, and uh, <laughs> he's only 31, and he he was fantastic last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you wouldn't be too upset if Chicago brought the t- brought Tepper and Chaffin back to reform the old bullpen, would you? Not at all. <laughs> I mean, Te- Tepra, Chaffin, and Kimbrell. I mean. Until the wheels fell and even as the wheels were falling apart, I mean they had some bad outings in there, but honestly, man, they were solid for the Cubs almost all of last year before you guys traded them off for prospects.
1: Yeah, I mean you had um you literally had okay, starter goes five or six, then you gave Chaffin the ball in the seventh, Tapera the ball in the eighth, and Kimball the ball in the ninth, and it was over. Mm-hmm. Um, they were they were lights out for a solid month and a half, and it was just like, what happened?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, overuse or just too much use, At one, who knows? Well, plus you ran into Milwaukee when Milwaukee got hot. I mean, that didn't help anything.
1: Well, I mean, it certainly didn't help that the offense, you know, went down the drain in the month of June, so... Yeah. Um, you you can't put your your winning bullpen arms in there if uh, in the good situations if you're not hitting. So. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. I wholeheartedly agree with that. So, I mean,
0: there the guys are there, and you are also keep in mind too all those players that weren't tendered contracts. I mean, that was another hundred plus players that got dumped into what was already a pretty good sized free agent pool. So, you know, a lot of guys did take quick deals because of the uncertainty with the CBA, but there is still a huge pool of free agents that are going to be available that are uh, ready and willing to be signed. And uh, it's, man, it's going to be chaos. The moment the hot stove turns from cold straight back to hot once the new CBA is signed. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm excited. I'm also pretty anxious because like I said, Freddie Freeman's not signed and he really needed to be signed. And uh, the longer he didn't get signed, that was uh, not so good. Sorry. That was, uh, that was our dog, Molly. She must've gotten her paw stuck on something or she's trying to get out of the cute Christmas sweater. We put her in <laughs> I, I, either uh, is equally probable at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, uh, it was uh, a doggy style ugly Christmas sweater with a uh, baby Yoda on the back. And it's absolutely adorable, but she, this dog i love her to death she's 50 50 if she ever wants to wear a fa- if she ever wants to wear a sweater or bandana or anything like that she's a uh, very adept at scratching until she gets the knot right here that she can just scratch until it pops off <laughs> gotta love yeah. dogs yeah all right so joe let's uh let's talk about the uh 500 pound elephant in the room the cba expired on 12/1 and then mlb instituted a lockout at 12:01 a.m. on 12/2 which was 100% expected there was no progress being made so the owners preemptively instituted a lockout um, to try and push the players association into a deal so this is the ninth work stoppage in mlb history this is the first work stoppage we've sent we we've had since the 94 season was canceled the 95 season started late so that's a lot that's a lot of years of uh of um uh work I don't know if you could call it work peace, but that's a lot of years between lockouts it's not like the NHL who's had a couple lockouts since then the NFL's had a lockout since then the the uh, NBA's had a lockout since then so uh, MLB's streak uh unfortunately did end this year although I'm really I'm not surprised based on uh, what we saw last year during the um, COVID short and see with all the negotiations there that went back and forth and how, how, how short those uh, negotiations got between the two sides. I, I, I love to be the optimist, but I wasn't surprised to see this happen.
1: No, um, I I think, you know, I think we just got to lock these guys in a room and tell them they can't come out until it's done.
0: You know, what I wish they would do is bring in an uh, an NLRB arbitrator right away. D- don't even try and negotiate back and forth. You guys have had a couple years that of next to no progress on this. Just bring in a freaking independent arbitrator who is completely impartial and have him sit down from the start and get this damn thing hammered out. That's why the NLRB is there. Literally why the government made the NLRB. Let's use them. It's a lot of our tax money that goes towards that, both the players and all of us, the fans. So, yes, folks, you can say you, the fan, are invested in this as well. So, um, Joe, the CBA, what that covers is pretty much everything. It looks at how long the season is, what kind of per diem the players get on the road. Um, It looks at the economics of the game, free agency arbitration, things like that um and again like i said the players they the owners lock the players out to push them into into a more urgent state of negotiation so because of the lockout everything is on hold right now no free agent signings no team facilities no contact at all between teams and players are allowed what like we mentioned last week the, the biggest thing that's going to affect is players that were hurt they don't have access to the training facilities or their trainers but i i'm sure that teams would have sent out instructions to those players before when they knew the lockout was imminent just to make sure that their players aren't off doing their own thing, you know, risking slowing down recovery from injury.
1: Right. I'm sure all those connections were made ahead of time and, um, you know, protocols and all that stuff were sent out. I'm sure that's all been handled. I mean, it certainly doesn't, you know, it's speaking from some experience, it's different when you're, you know, when you... Won't have the same person every day can be a little difficult, I think. Um, and not that, you know, these guys are grown adults. What I did was working with kids was different, but, um, you know, they get used to working with the same person every day. So mm-hmm. um, taking that away from them, I think – I feel like maybe they could have worked this out a little differently and maybe left that as a caveat. And if you're, if you're the player's rep, you've got to be pushing for that. You've got to be like, look – you're paying this guy all this money. Should he really be going to somebody who's not familiar with them?
0: Plus let's remember, right. Plus let's remember all these contracts have been previously signed. They're already fully guaranteed. So they're already under contract. So it doesn't make sense to hurt that investment by screwing up a rehab from a major injury.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, like, like we said, I'm sure they, they, did their homework ahead of time, but still, I think it's a, a bit of a disservice to them for sure. Yeah, um, in that regard, I, I did think I saw somewhere that s- some parts of the rule five stuff is happening and minor league signings are happening. It's just the, the major league guys won't. Be.
0: That's correct. Any player is not a part of MLBPA, which that's about twelve hundred players. So it covers all the guys in the forty man, and um, I think some of the guys in AAA that have come up are also part of the MLBPA. If you're not part of MLBPA, teams are still allowed to so- make signings. They're still allowed to do the minor league re-signings. They're still allowed to make, they're still allowed to trade minor league players around during the lockout. They just can't do anything that involves a player in the 40 man roster who's part of the MLBPA. And okay. as we, and as we pointed out last week, you can't try and take one of those guys, sign him to one of those minor league deals laden with incentives. And the major league guys wouldn't do that anyway, because the, those minor league deals for a make it or break it are $4 million tops. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For guys shooting for a $200 million contract, they're not going to do that. No way in hell. Yeah, no. That doesn't make sense. Uh, So how long could this last? Could we lose games? Uh, It's certainly possible that games could be lost, but we have three months until the start of the regular season. So at this point, I'm going to say it's pretty, pretty damn unlikely that we're going to lose regular season games. Spring training could get delayed. That was scheduled to start February 14th. Um, happy Valentine's Day. But, you know, we'll see about that. And if spring training starts a week or two late, that's not the end of the world. I Honestly, I think I think personally spring training goes a week or two longer than it needs to most years anyway. So, I, you know, I'm not going
1: to be upset if we lose a little bit of spring training over this. Uh, I mean, it kind of depends how soon before spring training they sign it. I mean, if they sign this deal in February, it, you're gonna have all this free agent nonsense happening. You're going to have, um, you know, guys who are finally just getting back with some of their, you know, medical personnel. I mean, this is, I I, I think getting this deal done with enough time for all that free agency nonsense to get sorted out. Is is mm. essential for them not to miss anything.
0: Yeah, you make a good point about that.
1: I, I think I honestly, I think if you don't have a deal done by mid January, you're gonna lose games. Yeah, it, that's it,
0: that's a side of things I actually hadn't considered. That is a good point.
1: You, you've got you've got the free agent signings that have to get dealt with. You've got any trades that happen. All the guys that are non tendered that you mentioned. I, this is you know something that you're not done with this deal in about six weeks. We're going to lose some games or you're going to lose, you know, you're going to push back spring training a bit. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'd say six to eight
0: because I mean, six weeks puts us what? First week of January, second week of January. So
1: second week of January. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'd say even up to eight. Yeah. It pushed towards the end of January, but yeah, you are, it's going to be utter chaos when the hot stove flips back to full again. I mean you we we like I said we thought it was chaos before it's going to be utter insanity especially with those guys that are going to be pushing for 200 million plus dollar deals I mean that <laughs> the amount of guaranteed money that's going to be given away by the clubs this year to free agents is almost mind-boggling
1: Yeah I mean you know we talked about this a ton but Scherzer's getting more money than three teams entire payrolls
0: Yeah yeah which is Insane for a guy who's 37 years old.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's beside the point. Of the, and the fact that all that's guaranteed is just ridiculous. I, I think some of these guys are going to wish that their agent moved a little faster, depending on how this deal, this CBA turns out, mm-hmm. um, you know, Brian, who's the poster child for, for service time issues. Um, you know, if, you know, if, if the CBA doesn't, you know, doesn't go the way he would like it to go. He's going to get screwed again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You make a good point about that. Now here, here's what I think is really going to push the two sides eventually to get this done, to minimize the number of games that get lost in spring training. Number one, baseball lost a lot of money during the shortened pandemic season. And number two, the PR hit that baseball took after that last strike was huge. And I don't think that MLB wants to risk taking another huge blow either financially or another huge PR blow, because let's face it, it took a few years in the home run chase in 98 before fan interest started to climb back to what it was to the levels before the strike.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, that was, that was a magical summer to live through, but and it, it really was the beginning of the, of, of kind of bringing, bringing fans back. I think, um, I, I just don't know that they can afford to sacrifice some of the the improvements they've made in branding the Field of Dreams game, the, mm-hmm. um, you know, the improvements they've made, you know, in, in their youth outreach and stuff like that. They, they can't afford to squander the the inroads they've made in a lot of ways um, because there's, you know, getting locked in with, with DraftKings and stuff like that and FanDuel – like you you are going to really hurt your brand if you just get into sports betting and then they can't bet on it
0: yeah <laughs> although i'm sure pete rose probably finds that ironic and annoying all at the same time
1: well i mean it's it's just hilarious that you know we aren't having from from the major league management side of this of the league how how can you partner with DraftKings and FanDuel, and still keep the best hitter of all time out of the Hall of Fame? Uh, best contact hitter of all time. Okay, well, <laughs> you knew what I meant.
0: Yeah, I do. And I, I mean, No, no I'm, just, I'm just. I'm just. trying to muddy the water a little bit because uh, I, I there are a lot of guys, honestly, that if I could, if I could draft a team from all time players. I'm not sure I would even put Pete Rose on my bench. There are a lot of players that I would take over him because all he did was hit a shitload of singles. But, you know, we'll see. In the words of Billy Bean, he gets on
1: base. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, Billy (laughs) Bean would have been like, Pete Rose is the greatest thing to ever happen to Sabermetrics. (laughs) but. (laughs) Uh, but I'm sure knowing Billy Bean's, uh, uh limited payroll, he would have shortcut him and he still would have had to bet against his own team to make some money.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> now we're not going to get to Pete Rose tonight. Let's get no, no, a little bit of no. hole. Cause we, we, we could spend, we already did spend a whole episode on it earlier this year. We could probably do another entire episode on should Pete Rose be in the hall of fame. So um, okay. if we're looking for content this offseason, that might be where we go back to just to do something. Anyway, um, so the big sticking point right now, I think, is it's all economic issues. Um, the players, you know, they're looking at the emergence of analytics in the front office, which that's cutting back the the contracts of these second and third tier players that they get when they finally hit free agency. Because of it, you do have you have to get six years of major league time before you're allowed to become a free agent. So. For most players, it's going to be when they turn 30 or it's going to be right around when they turn 30. So uh, one thing the players are going to want to, that they're going to try and push for, they want free agency to happen a year or two early so that these guys have a better chance of getting some money and so that they're getting their contracts as they're entering their prime. Um, the system that it's set up right now, it also favors keeping players in the minor leagues for several weeks. You know, as we saw with the uh, Cubs and KB, uh, probably more poignant than any other player in the last couple of years, the utter manipulation MLB teams do with service time to push back free agency as long as they can. And, I mean, that year that they did that with KB, there was zero reason to send him back down to the minors for – conditioning and whatever other BS excuse the Cubs front office came up with that. Cause that was, I I'm sorry. The fact that they even tried to come up with an excuse and didn't say, no, we're straight up manipulating his service time. Because uh, if I recall, right, he was batting 400, that spring training. And there was, that was just utter dog crap that they did that to him.
1: Yeah, it was. I'm not going to lie.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you guys had him this year and were able to get something for him when you did the fire sale, but you shouldn't have had him. He should have been a free agent. Um, the other thing that the players don't like, the cycle of teams rebuilding, aka when they tank to limit their payrolls, you know, they're, they want something in place to prevent some of that. Um, now, one good thing that still exists for the players. There has always been, there's never been a a hard salary cap in baseball. I don't think there ever will be um, something because major league baseball likes to point out that we pay the best money to the best players. And, you know, generally speaking, the way free agency is set up right now, that does happen. The second the third tier players may not see that, but the top tier players absolutely get their huge cut of the pie. So, um, I don't, you know, I, I know that I think was brought up or at least a soft cap had been brought up in the past. I don't think the owners are even going to try and bring up any kind of a salary cap at all. Um, I, I would be shocked if we see something like that. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, I, I can't see, I can't see the players agreeing to that. And I don't know that it makes sense from the owner side of it either. So also with all
0: these $200 million contracts floating around, if you put in a if you put in a salary cap, how the heck are you going to are you going to resolve that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the time to do that would have been before all these free agency moves happened this offseason because now you're kind of like, okay, well does is the cap effective after the deal signed? Is the cap effective now and you've got a guy like you know, a team like the Mets who can't add anybody because they spend all this money
0: right and what's the is it going to be a hard cap that you're not allowed to exceed so are they going to have to shed player yeah so I, let's face it as, as much as maybe the owners might secretly want a salary cap to help limit some of the spending you're never going to see a salary cap in MLB and I hope there never is I hate salary caps
1: yeah and I think I mean you mentioned the, the thing about tanking and stuff like that um, part of that is just bad ownership I mean the the, the Guys in charge of the Orioles, good Lord. Guys in charge charge of the Pirates, that's just bad ownership. Yeah. That, that's not a team tanking. That's the owners being ridiculously stupid.
0: Yeah, uh, that's the Orioles are owned by the Angelos family. And um, our buddy Big Jim, if, they, if he had the power to do anything in baseball, I think the first thing he would do is uh, take the Angelos family and uh, stuff them on a ship, push it out in the harbor, and sink it. Yeah. On- I- Honestly, dude, I couldn't blame him because that it it is utter nonsense that the team with one of the most beautiful stadiums in baseball is continuously as bad as they are. And the team is just managed as poorly as it is from the front office.
1: Yeah. I mean, when's the last time they, they were even in the, the running for a big time free agent? Uh, when they signed Chris Davis to that horrible deal, probably. Probably, but you know, when's the last time we've talked about the Orioles being in competition for anybody? You know, above above three, above you know above three three stars, basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, Rogan O'Dor, not a bad deal. The guy needs a change of scenery. He's not a top tier second
1: baseman. No, and he's a, and he's. Not exactly the best – you know, he's not exactly somebody I want as a representative of my organization.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that.
1: I mean, granted, the Orioles, they have Mancini. They've got Mount Castle, They've got John Means. That certainly helps. Cedric Patrick Mullins, Means, you know, yeah. Those guys yeah. certainly help improve. They've got, got the
0: goal. pieces, and they've got the number one-ranked farm system. Yeah, they just, start using it. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they need to stop collecting talent and start letting that talent get up to the majors and see what it can do. Exactly. So what does the lockout mean for everything? Um, Winter meetings are canceled. um, At least the major league portion, the minor league side will continue. Again, I'm sure there'll be a few deals thrown around here and there, but that's going to be all of that. Right. Right. there's no point in holding the major league side of the winter meetings The Oka's agents can't meet with teams right now. No. So, um, yeah. So, um, it, the other big thing is, uh, that I saw, um, off season drug testing is going to stop so, until the new CBA is ratified. So, uh, you know, players, if you're in the uh, state where the happy green herb is legalized and you want to, and you want to imbide and enjoy it a little bit, now's the time to do it quick. So it's out of your system by the time the new CBA is ratified, you know, not not that I personally endorse it because that stuff makes me sick as a dog. The one time I accidentally had some. But um for everybody else, you know, that does enjoy it. I mean, honestly, for the players that it, it might help with some of their, you know, it might help them with some of their pain recovery, now's the
1: time to do it. They can't bust you. Just saying. Call, call Josh Gordon. He can find someone for you.
0: <laughs> you know, Gordon wasn't actually the guy I thought of first. I actually thought of Ricky first.
1: <laughs> and, and, you know, maybe I, I don't know if that's, you know, I don't want to, Rain on his parade. I know he's been through a ton of, of stuff in the last couple of years, but um yeah. It, it, like well, you said, I mean this is if, if you're gonna do it, do it when they can't get you. But I, I don't I don't I wouldn't endorse it, I wouldn't support that. I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> it's really not, but it it's kind
0: of funny to think about though. <laughs>
1: All right, take take so, that supplement that you know nothing about. This is the time <laughs> to do it.
0: Now, that one I'm not sure I really recommend because I don't know how long that crap sits in your system. I And I don't know if, if MLB ever did. You know how with, like, Olympic athletes, they do the um, the full, like, the biometric uh was the biometric profile or whatever that looks at yeah. your know, long-term testosterone levels and level, all those levels? I don't know that I would risk that one. I, I, I would say just take it. You know, if you want to want to imbibe in a little bit of fun stuff while well, it's the off season. now's the time to do it. I, I, I don't know that I would juice up though. I, I feel like that's not worth the risk.
1: Yeah,
0: that's a, that, that's a let's face it, that's a much bigger suspension with the three strikes and you're out. <laughs> yeah. And you know that that's not going away, and the players don't – they don't want that to go away either. So that, that, that's a non-starter. So the, the leading figures on the bar, at the bargaining table, table, for MLBPA, you've got former big leader Tony Clark. He's the face of the players' union. Um, on the owner's side, obviously, Commissioner Rob Manfred um the, the negotiation though that's done by their lieutenant so um for MLBPA it's going to be lawyers Dan Halem I'm sorry Dan Halem's for MLB Bruce Meyer for the players um some of the owners are going to be there in the meetings and the executive board of the union consists of eight players which currently is Max Scherzer, Marcus Semien, Garrett Cole, Francisco Lindor, Jason Castor, Zach Britton, Andrew Miller unfortunately not me and uh, James Paxton. So the, these eight, they're going to report back to the player reps for each team, and the player reps and their job is to let the other um, players on their team know what's going on in negotiations and what's coming up. Um, is there a ton of animosity in discord right now? Animosity, I, I don't think we're at that point where we're going to say things are super, you know, the animosity level's high. There's a lot of discord. There's a lot of disconnect between the two sides. I don't think we're at the point where the two sides utterly hate each other and don't want to talk.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I agree with you. I don't see that as the issue here. I think, um, you know, Manfred caught a bunch of crap, the letter he put out right after the <laughs> lockout. Players are like, we, we should have done talking about all this crap already. Like, yeah. yeah. That. That Manfred's was, letter was a big CYA for the owners at that point. Yeah, it,
0: I, I agree. CYA for the owners, CYA for him. I thought the letter was utter garbage. Honest to God. I thought I thought that was one of the biggest pieces of garbage I, I, I've read come from a commissioner to his fans. And let's face it, Manfred's not popular with the fans to start with. Um, probably never will. He, he's not hated as much as Roger Goodell. No. But he's working on it. He, he's working hard on that. And I, I like what Tony Clark said about that letter. You know, if you had spent as much time negotiating as you had spent writing that letter, maybe we wouldn't need to be locked out right now. I thought that was an absolutely brilliant response from Tony
1: Clark. Yeah. And for our listeners, that's on MLB.com. It's, uh, you can find out like the CBA or something. There's a letter that the commissioner put out. That's what we're talking about. So Yeah. Um, And just, uh, just
0: so everybody knows, if you go on MLB.com and you're seeing all these articles about retired guys and the golden era guys getting, not getting put in the hall of fame, the reason that all of those articles are up and there's nothing about free agency or anything else, it's because, well, uh, until a new CBA is signed MLB is not allowed to have anything about its current players up on the website right now. Um, The reason you could still buy like jerseys and stuff is because that license is completely separate from the CBA. So that's why you could still get, you know, you can get Braves World Series gear. You know, that's still available. Any of the other teams, you could get like their players jerseys. I think I'm pretty sure the new free agents that have picked their numbers. I'm pretty sure you can get them. You can get like the new team jersey for the player. Um, because li- the marketing license is completely separate from the CBA. So that, that stuff's all available, but that's why, or if you go to a player's profile, that's why it's just the uh, grayed out portrait. Right. And I thought it was pretty funny that a lot of the players um, decided to uh, g- try and make a mockery of that, to change all their social media profiles to the grayed out portrait as well. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, it was interesting. So, <laughs> you know there's definitely some tweaks that can be made to the economics of the system um the players they're going to want dramatic change and of course they will it's we're not going to see dramatic change most likely that's not what usually happens in these CBAs it's going to be a gradual change to a couple different things if i had to guess um you know he, like i alluded to earlier the, the rhetoric from last season's negotiations from the pandemic i mean that's that really showed that i I think once we saw all that hit hit public, I I think it was inevitable we were going to have a lockout because those same economic issues are still in play right now. So, you know, the sides are talking right now, so that's good. Is it all in good faith? Maybe, maybe not. But the fact that they're talking is, I, I think it's a good sign.
1: Yeah, I would tend to agree. I mean, you have to start the conversation somewhere, and this isn't like other times with some of these sports where they're not even communicating on any basic level. Um, you know, it. I'm assuming a ton is getting done behind the scenes that's not really being talked about at the moment, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm hopeful of that. Um, like I said, I think um, there's going to be some give and take here. I think the service time issue needs to be dealt with. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as we Cub fans benefited from it, I do think it's a little bit ridiculous to put a guy who's hitting lights out in AAA who you know you're going to bring up, just bring him up. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: you know, I, I do think that's something that easily should be dealt with. Um, you know, I again, the competitive balance thing, you know, some of these teams in tanking, again, some of that is ownership and some of that is the GM and some of that is just having a culture of winning is, has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, the, the Pirates are notorious for bringing guys up and, and right before their prime, they're getting traded. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Orioles aren't aren't a team that makes a ton of investments in, in some of their, you know, their guys and, and, and brings guys in. Um, you can have a, a home-based approach, but you've got to at least be willing to go after a couple of guys outside the organization.
0: Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with you on that one, Joe. Um, yeah, yeah, you know it's 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 just so hard to say what's gonna what's gonna end up happening with all of that. It it, it really is.
1: Yeah, I um, I do think you know if we get another, if we, God forbid, we lose games this next year, you're gonna have a lot of fans who just say, okay, you're just like everybody else. I'm done.
0: Yeah, and really, you can't blame them. No, of course not. The fans okay. have a long memory. They remember the lot. They remember the strike. I mean, obviously, the younger, the really young guys who weren't born yet, obviously, they won't remember that. You know, my uh, my, my oldest who, you know, got to come down and watch the Braves win, the, you know, watch the last inning and watch his Braves win the World Series. You know, obviously, he doesn't have any memory. I remember that.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I'm, yeah. I, I I'm still, honestly – I'm still a little bit pissed off about it because it didn't need to happen. It it didn't need to happen. They should have come up with a deal ahead of time. And the fact that they let it get that far is it's infuriating. Absolutely. But I really do think MLB learned their lesson from last time. And I don't think we're going to see that happen again. Thank God. That would be a, yeah, that would be horrible.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I certainly hope it doesn't go that direction. And and like you said, the fact that they're talking is a good start. Um, it it doesn't really feel like they're that far away. I think any rule changes were thrown out, so I don't think we have that coming. Um, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think they threw out any any new rule changes for this year um, coming up. So that's not something to to, to be a sticking point. Um, owners have to concede on this on the service time issue and then i i think i don't know that you're going to get earlier contracts but um you know at least at least more fair contracts as far as you know your worth maybe maybe you start free agency a year earlier i but some of these guys you know that they, they get up there you know and they are back and forth between the, triple a in the majors for a year or two, Mm -hmm. you know, it it takes two, three years of that, of that first deal to get steady, consistent day-to-day play, unless you're Mike Trout. Um, You know, so I, it's hard for me to think that they can, they can just give up a a year of that part of it uh, and start free agency early, just because I I think some, sometimes you're going to have some of that up and down early on. Um, Mm -hmm. I think you have to, you know, by year three, you kind of figure out, okay, this guy can play, um, you know, and then that gives you three years at least um, to see if he can take your team to the next level or see if you can get something for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I think the players are going to, of those two issues, I think they're going to have to pick one or the other. Do they want to stop service time manipulation or do they want earlier free agency? The owners aren't going to give them both. No. And
1: I think, I think the service time one is the one to go after.
0: I agree. I think that, I think of the two, that's definitely the more um, critical issue of the two would be to go after that one.
1: Yeah. I mean the free agency thing, I mean, it's, there's nothing in that extra year that keeps you from being traded. So it's not like you're stuck. You know, you have six years where you're stuck in Chicago or stuck in, in Pittsburgh or, or, Detroit or wherever, mm-hmm. you've got six years where you can either prove your worth or you can get traded yeah. somewhere else and prove your worth there.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, I mean, the fact that they're not locked in for that six years in that, in that one spot, I think service time is the one to go after.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So, you know, what are some of the bigger changes that we could see coming up? The big thing MLB wants is they want to expand the playoff. Right now um, in major league baseball. Yeah, I know right now you have, a you have 10 teams that make the playoffs. It is by far the most exclusive playoff in any major sport in North America. Um, 10 teams out, 10 teams out of the 30. So I, I know MLB, will, MLB wants to push for 14. I don't want to see 14 personally. I'm a, I didn't like the second wild card, especially because they have it set up as a one game play in because that's not what baseball is about, but I could live with 12. I'm going to grumble about it. I'm going to complain about it. I'm going to bitch and moan about it, but I could live with 12. I really hope they don't do 14. And then the league, there's this, um, there's this, they want to call it creative. I think it's absolutely insane. Yeah. Idea of your number one seed gets a buy, the other division winners get to pick their
1: wild card opponent. I hate that. No, that doesn't make any sense at all.
0: No. Honestly, First...
1: the big change to make, like you said, is is that wild card game being a three-game series at least. Mm-hmm. Start with that. And, and see what that does for for the playoffs, and then think about whether adding another team is is worthwhile. I mean, the fact that a third of each league, when you look at it, you know, a third of the American League and a third of the National League make the playoffs. I mean, that's not terrible. Agreed. The last thing you want is is a you know another sub five hundred team not in the NL East. <laughs> You know, to to make it, who doesn't deserve it? We have enough beef with that in the NFL. When you have a seven and nine team or a yeah. six and eight team get in, you know, six and ten team get in because their division is terrible.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and the last thing
1: you want is that.
0: So, yeah, and I think the NFL is almost guaranteed to have one of the. Now they have the extra wild card and the extra week. I think they're almost guaranteed to almost every year have at least one team. At the bottom of the wild card, that's either at five hundred or right right above it or right below it. Now that's an odd number of games being played, so it, yeah, I mean that's you know that's going to happen with MLB if if you do expand it. Um, so let's say let's say you go to twelve teams, so that would be six teams in each league. You know, if you do that, you're going to have three division winners, three wild card. You know, you could make. There's a lot you could do there. You could, you know, you could just take the three wild cards and match them up against the three division winners based on seeding. I think that's okay. And then uh, the, you know, then the wild card round would only, you know, then that would only be, um, you know, if you make that a best of three. Although, yeah, how are you gonna? Uh, yeah, sort of
1: that, there's no way. There's no them. way to expand it beyond what they've already done. I that's, think <sighs> – that, if, you the, if you go to if you go to twelve, then it's okay. Well, how do you get from three down to one? You give you give one team a bye, or they play both and do a, a best of three against both, or a best of five against both. Like,
0: well, how about this? How about this? Let's say twelve teams. You've got three wild card, three division winners. Um, frankly, you know they can make this a lot easier if they would just add two more teams and go to thirty two. And have sixteen on each side with four divisions, but uh, you know that's obviously not going to happen with this CBA negotiations. No, no. But my God, scheduling would be easier too with thirty-two teams in each league. But anyway, um, we've got twelve teams. You've got three wild cards. Top wild card would top wild card. You know they could get a buy through, and you know, and then the other two would play. um, You know, then you put the other two head to head to to go face the number one team and that I, if you're going to do that, it's going to have to, it's going to have to be one games, the whole, it's going to have to be one game winner, take all, unfortunately, because yeah. you don't want to let, you, you don't want to let the division winner sit too long. The one thing I don't like about the possibility of a bye week is you don't want to let baseball players, they don't want to sit for too long. No. If rust sets in, they get out of their rhythm.
1: You know, we yeah. brought it
0: up. I, I, I brought it up a couple, during what the end of the year pod the end of the year podcast we did brian snicker didn't rest everybody for the last series against the mets even though it was wrapped up he gave half the team off one game half the team off the second game and then game three all the starters were back in because he knew they would have some time off and he didn't want those players to get out of their rhythm
1: yeah and and that's the way you do it you you don't want you know it's not as brutal a sport as hockey. It's not as brutal a sport as football where those extra days off are beneficial. Right. You know, hitting is all about timing. Hitting is all about rhythm. You can't, you know, pitchers are all about rhythm and, and flow and consistency and all that. You you can't have these teams sitting for a week. This is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, you can't do that. I mean, look, look at what happened with the White Sox. I mean, Tony La Russa wasn't playing most of his starters with any kind of consistency throughout September. And that's probably one of the things that doomed them. They were trying to get ramped back up. And, I mean, not playing any meaningful games didn't help either. But those players weren't playing every day. He was giving out a lot of rest days. And that, te- like, when you have an older team full of veterans, that's one thing. They're okay with more rest, and frankly, they need the rest. The White Sox have a lot of young guys that really should have been playing almost every day, or just getting one or two off days a week or every other week. You know, just to just to keep them a little fresh. Young guys need the they need the at bats, they need the reps.
1: Yeah, I, you know, it's just. And again, it's a totally different animal from the other major sports where the, the, the days off are good. Yeah. Um, you know, for for baseball, I think, which is one of the drawbacks of, of trying to go to a three game series in the wild card, too, because that extends it a day or two. Um, yeah. You know, do you just give the home, do you just give the better of the two wild cards, the two home games to start with? Honestly, yeah. Travel days. Or do you just play three games in one city like they would in a regular series? To, to be honest with you, I that would be the best way to do it. If you're going to do it.
0: Yeah. I I honestly don't have a problem with not giving the lower wild card seed, any home games, honestly.
1: Yeah. No that's, team.
0: that's
1: the only way that that going to three makes sense um, is to do it that way. So, I, you know, you'd have, you'd have the higher of the two wild cards host, three games if they need it and move on. Um, you know, a couple of days like that for a three game, you know, three days in a row series, that's not, you know, going to mess them up too much. No, I think that would be okay. Um it, it, it wouldn't hurt the div- the division teams wouldn't sit
0: around too long waiting. And even if you wanted to keep the NLDS at five at a five game series, that would still be okay. It wouldn't, I don't think that would put too much undue wear and tear on the wild card teams. Although, to be honest, they should have some wear and tear. If you don't want the wear and tear, win your damn division. I mean, I, I know it's a simplistic answer, but, you know, Dodgers fans wanted to complain about the fact that they won 106 games, but were the road team for the NLCS. Well, if you don't want to be the road team, win your division. Don't be the wild card. Yeah. I mean, it, you might not like that, that's how it's set up, but that's how it's set up. And the wild card should not get any advantages over a division winner.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. And even if Atlanta, excuse me,
0: even if Atlanta and LA had the roles had been reversed, Atlanta had been the wild card and playing on the road for four games, I would have been okay with that. Yeah. Um, something, you know, something else that um, I saw had been bandied around, um, they could change around arbitration. We had talked about that a little bit last week, um, how quickly the players said uh, getting rid of arbitration and making a pool of money that gets divvy up based on war is an absolute no go, especially because the fact the re, the relievers will get utterly hosed because relievers don't play enough to earn a significant amount of war. Even closures don't really Matt rack up a lot of WAR during the regular season, so you'd have to figure out how to scale that if you're going to do something like that. And let's face it, they'd screw it up.
1: Yeah, you can't do that if it has to be a standard that can be applied across the board.
0: Right. That's and that's let's face it, that's hard to do anyway because pitchers and position players they're going to earn WAR differently. Even starters don't typically earn as much WAR as everyday starting players do because they only play one out of five games right um something else we could see uh, a pitch clock I would honestly I wouldn't mind a pitch clock that'll move the regular season games on a little bit a little bit quicker and I honestly the pitchers might complain about it for a little while. I think they'll get used to it quick enough that it wouldn't be a big deal um another th- another thing that could be interesting um changing the draft around, to something kind of like what the NBA has to use like a lottery system to determine who gets the top pick and, you know, make a little bit of a show out of it for who wins the lottery to get the number one overall pick. Here, here's the problem with that though. NBA players, that number one overall pick will make an immediate impact on the team next year in baseball you're not going to see those guys for two or 3 years. Even the even the absolute best guys, they might make the September roster their first year and get a little bit of MLB exposure, but let's face it, none of these guys are are going to make an immediate impact. So I I understand what they're shooting for cuz the NBA draft lottery is turned into a nice show and it it gets good ratings, but I, because you don't see these guys right away, I don't know that it's going to have as big of an impact, if any, at all for MLB. What do you think about that?
1: No, I think I, you're right. I don't think that that would necessarily help. Um, you know, they've got the Rule 5 draft. They've got the regular. I think those are two separate ones, right? The regular draft. Yes. And so, yeah, so uh,
0: the, I mean, rule, the Rule what 5. What they really need to do
1: high. with that, I think, is first off, you got to make make it a bigger deal. So... Not a lottery necessarily, but why not? I don't know. You know, this year we're going to host the draft at Wrigley Field. This year we're going to host it at Fenway Park. This year we're going to host it at wherever. You know, pick your stadium. But, like, make it, you know, kind of like they do with the All-Star game where they try to host it somewhere and show off a new ballpark. Do the same stinking thing with the draft. Make it a, a fan interactive event. Yeah. I mean yeah, that's that, what they do. Would there's, help. there's nothing better than watching the NFL draft and watching Jets fans boo every single year. Because that's what they do. They have <laughs> good Eagles. reasons to do it. But there's nothing, you know, when you watch the NFL draft, you're like, Okay, who's gonna boo first? Which which fans gonna boo first? But the NFL has turned the draft into this big three day TV production. You know, do something like that. Turn it into a live event. You know, again, Wrigley, you know, Truist Park, Citizens Bank, wherever you want to have yeah. it. Rotate, rotate it around. Maybe you have one draft in one city and one draft in you know the Rule Five in another city. Um You know, the other thing that the NFL did was, you know, with with the NFL Network, you can you can see what these teams are evaluating players on, but because you can watch the combine. So, so, and that's, the NBA does that too, where they have, you know, the NBA combine is on TV. So you can see what these guys are doing. And if you're a sports nut like we are, you can go, okay, I know enough about this guy. I like this guy.
0: Yeah. And you know, that, that actually wouldn't be bad. Cause there are, there, there's so much, There's so much amateur talent out there that teams, they don't get to say, you know, the top guys, of course, every team's going to send a scout out to see them. But more of the mid-level guys, you know, you have a limited, you have a finite amount of resources for scouts. So you have to focus on what your team needs are. And if you did a, you know, a combine kind of thing, you could bring in, say, the top 150, 200 prospects you know from whatever criteria you want to pick between high school players and college players you know that would that would be interesting to watch i mean think about what mlb the show does with your um, road to the show character that's like a 12 15th round player you know they you know you come in you work out your skills they see you pitch if you're a pitcher if you're a position player they watch you field run and hit you know that and they also have some exhibition games in there, too. That might not be a bad idea too. Um, you know, televise that more, push that to the forefront more. You know that that way more of these guys are known that that's a good thought. I hadn't thought about that, Joe. Um, by the way, the rule five draft. So what that is, it's players. I I think it's by their. it's either the third or fourth maybe fifth year after they were drafted they have to be placed in the 40-man roster by that point or they're available for other teams to draft away from you so that's why um that's why towards like the end i forget what the deadline is the deadline is like midway through november or towards the end of november like by this day You have to, the guys you want to protect from the rule five draft have to be put on your 40 man or they're available in the draft. So that's what the rule five draft is all about. It's, it's, it it keeps the rule five draft is essentially a way to keep teams from stockpiling, um, high level prospects, but never bringing them up.
1: Right. So that's, that's,
0: yeah, so that's what that's all about. I, I don't think there's a lot of issues for the MLBPA with how the rule five draft is handled. So that that probably won't change much.
1: No, I think, but I do think the main the whatever the, the regular draft outside of the rule five, I think you should really look to make that more of a television event. I mean, cause yeah. I mean we know it's happening and, and we might, you know, quick glance in and, and, and you know follow our, our social media and find out who our teams are picking. But yeah. the other the other major sports, it's a it's a televised event it's it's something that's you know waited for um you know you have you have casual nfl fans and and non real big nfl fans who will watch the nfl draft just to understand it more you have guys who will watch the nba draft who you know that they're college basketball fans maybe that maybe they're not nba fans but they still want to see where their guys go
0: yeah yeah it's true yeah it's
1: like i said it, it because
0: of how long it takes for these guys to get up, that is tough for MLB to be like, here's the big guy. You're not going to see him for two or three years, but here's the big guy. So yeah, that would. there is definitely more they can do. I think you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, other things that, other things that we could see, obviously the, the universal DH. Uh, I hate to see it. You hate to see it. I know Jason absolutely despised seeing it. Um I, I, I think we're gonna see I think we're gonna see the universal DH come through as something the players will give as a concession to the owners to get something they want.
1: Yeah, you're you're more than likely right there. I think they're not, you know, they might I hate being right about it. That, no, that I mean that'll help numbers, that'll you know it, it might improve, you know, home runs and things of that nature and mm-hmm. eyeballs and money, but Keep some of the older guys that can't really field anymore but still have a decent
0: bat, it'll keep them in the league for an extra year or two.
1: Yeah, I, I just wish they'd get rid of it altogether. Um, you know, growing up playing little league pitchers hit everybody in high, school. In high yeah. school, pitchers hit.
0: Yeah,
1: let them it's hit. Not, it's not till college and at some places, and and Till you get to the majors that they stop hitting. And then we go, Oh, why can't these guys hit? Oh, I don't know. Cause you had them hit for 10 years and then you told them not to.
0: Well, and think about it like this, Joe, I, I don't know about you, but on a lot of my little league teams, our best pitchers were our best athletes. They were playing everywhere and hitting all the time anyway. Yeah. So let them hit. I mean, we, we saw some guys last year that made an impact with their bats Max Free did it with the Braves and took home a silver slugger. Jacob DeGrom, when he pitched, oftentimes he was the reason he picked up the wins for the freaking Mets because he was the only guy scoring runs for the Mets. Yeah. Jake uh, uh, um, Wheeler, he was getting hits for the freaking Phillies. I, you know, let's mm-hmm. let's go back a couple years. Freaking Carlos Zambrano, that dude could hit. I love watching Carlos Zambrano because he was either going to hit a home run or he was going to strike out. But, boy, when he struck out, he was swinging out of his heels
1: for the fences. I loved that. Like,
0: these guys that could let him hit.
1: He was either going to hit a baseball or a water cooler, one of the two.
0: So true.
1: I mean, go
0: back to the Braves' big three and Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz. They pride, and they said this in interviews, they prided themselves in the fact that they were not an easy out for the opposing pitcher. Right. Like, they, like, they weren't getting hits all the time, but they were getting hits enough that, and they were good at laying down bunts. So, uh, the bunt has become a lost art form. Right, look, look at all these um, stupid extra innings games with the ghost runner on second where teams didn't even try and drop a bunt and move him to third and then hit a sack fly to win the game. Yeah. My God, I remember Little League, our coaches hammered bunting into us just as hard as they hammered regular. Like when you were doing BP on my teams, because I I, I got lucky, Joe. I had the same coach. Once I moved to uh, Warwick School District and joined Warwick Little League, I pretty much had the same coach for all, but about two years of my um, little league career. And every single time you took batting practice, the first five pitches that you saw, the coach told you to drop a bunt down. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't get one down, he said the first 10 pitches you saw, you're going to try and drop a bunt down until you got at least one successful bunt down. Because yeah. one, you know, we use the bundle a lot in little league and two, you know, the rest of the team is out playing defense and the coach also wanted them to practice defending the bunt too. So, you know, it, it was a win-win across the board for both sides for that. Yeah. So, you know, un- unfortunately yeah, we're probably going to see universal DH instead of universal, get rid of the DH. <laughs> um, I know, I know one other thing that they were looking at that the owners were sort of conceding was bumping up the luxury tax threshold a little higher. But I, I, I think what I saw in the last deal the owners laid out, I think they only were willing to bump it up like four to six million. Which let's face it, that's a that, that's a bench level player. Yeah, that 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 was. Uh, that was like a here we're going to give this to you but we're not going to give this to you so suck it up and deal so understandably the players were not happy about that so that you know that's another thing that's going to be are they going to raise the, the luxury threshold higher or are they going to or you know quicker route to free agency you know i i feel like the owners would be more willing to bump the luxury tax threshold higher and then make the penalty for going going Above the threshold, like crazy high, before they're going to
1: give that extra that
0: one year earlier to free agency.
1: And and to me, that's a, a compromise the players would have to be okay with.
0: Yeah. So, Joe, you know we we've gone through a lot of the nitty gritty. Uh, you know, this each side what they're looking at.
1: Yeah. Uh, who
0: whose side are you leaning more? To? Are you leaning more on the side of the players? Are you leaning more on the side of the owners?
1: are you kind of down the middle what are your thoughts on it um i think you know a lot of times i think the the best solution is somewhere in the middle the truth is somewhere in the middle i think you know we've got to get to a spot i think where you know the players are going to get some of the things they want management's going to get some of the things they want and do what's best for the game at this point so i the, again, the fact that they're talking, which we've brought up a, a bunch, I, I think that certainly helps. I, to me, I'm kind of I – th- I think both sides need to get something that they want, um, and I think that's the best way to do it.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I'm definitely more sympathetic towards the players. I probably always will be because, in the you know, I'm, I like the underdog, and let's face it, my parents are both teachers, so – I'm always going to be a little more sympathetic towards the union side of things versus the management side of things. That's just my upbringing coming through. But the players gave up a lot in the last CBA negotiations. I mean, they I I think they went from almost a 54 percent of revenue down to 50 or 49 percent of revenue. And we watched the average salary pretty much stagnate across the board. Obviously, the top end deals they went bigger and bigger and bigger, and the top end players are always going to get those deals. Right. But but the tier two, tier three players, you know, it, it, it's like me at my job. My salary hasn't gone up a whole heck of a lot in nine and a half years. And um, the the mid tier MLB players, it's the same thing. It hasn't been a lot of growth. The minimum for MLB hasn't gone up. Now I'm happy to see MLB is looking to increase the minor league baseball minimum. That's long overdue because they've, they've held those players at poverty level wages for way too long, especially the teams that didn't provide housing. There's more teams that are going to be providing housing. So on the minor league side, they're starting to make changes. And I, I I don't know that the major league players are going to push it too hard because there's too many things they want to really get hammered out, but, I hope that continues throughout the CBA and let's, you know, you and I, I I think can both definitely agree. The players are not going to get everything they want, but I hope they're able to get, I hope they're able to to give the owners some of what they want, whether it's universal DH expanded playoffs or both to get to the three big things they want, whether it's earlier free agency, stop manipulating service time or increase the uh luxury tax threshold so that teams will spend have more money available to spend on players yeah so that's where i stand um i know jason didn't go into details in the group chat but uh jason was with us on that too he was uh he's definitely on the side of the players more than the
1: owners as well
0: so yeah i think that's where we're gonna stand
1: Bottom line is, I just want to see a deal, and I don't want to waste it, lose any games, or waste any time. Amen to that. And I, th- and I think that's got. To, I, I think that has to be the
0: overarching goal for everybody involved, whether it's ownership, whether it's players, whether it's the commissioner. You know, that's the goal for the fans, because mm-hmm. we don't want to see games lost. I mean, like I said, if we lose, if we lose a week or two of spring training, it's going to suck, but it's not the end of the world but we don't want to see the regular season get lost. We want to see a full 162 game season next year. You know, we want to see everything go. We, we want baseball to come back like normal, like it did this year. Right. All right, guys. So this is, this is, uh, I think I could say with almost hundred percent certainty, this is going to be the last episode of the dollar dogs and beer podcast for 2021. Um, short of the players and the owners coming together and making a deal before the end of the year, which we'd love to see it. We would love to be, we would love to be wrong about this and have to do at least one more episode before the end of the year, but let's face it, we're probably not going to because I, I don't think the CBA is going to get resolved before next year.
1: Yeah. And even if it were to right around Christmas time, I think we would wait until after the new year anyway, but uh
0: yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's give us some family time because we've been sacrificing a lot of Mondays this year. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I have to give a shout out to our three wives for being as understanding as they are with this new project that we've been working on this year They they've been wonderful, not caring about us giving up our Monday nights or, you know, earlier this year, our Tuesday night, so we could do this and, um, I ladies, we, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts because, uh, without your support, this would be really hard. You know, if it was a constant hostile background about doing the podcast every week, so um, it you know, we've had a lot of fun this year, and you know, we also want to thank our fans, you guys have been phenomenal. We've loved the interaction on the Facebook page and on Twitter and everywhere else. Please keep that coming because that you know we're always going to be able to find we're going to be able to find stuff to talk about that happened in the last week because it's baseball there's always going to be a weird hop there's always going to be something crazy that happens you know maybe we'll see the no-hitter record get broken again next year wouldn't that be freaking incredible year the pitcher 2.0 you know w- w- will we see major league baseball feel forced into the need to uh, lower the pitcher's mound yet again because pitchers are picking up too much velo you know it could happen I hope it doesn't but it could. Yeah. <laughs> Good god, please don't do that Major League Baseball, please don't. <laughs> and also the uh the experiment the um Atlantic League looked at with moving the mound back a little bit, please don't do that either. I I didn't like that. I I I did see um we did go to one game after that happened and my god, the pitchers on either side were having trouble finding the strike zone, so let's not even think about that. That's that, that, that was a good idea. I'm glad we tried it. And now we know that it's utter garbage. Let's not do that again. Right. So, guys, as, as we mentioned, um, if you're a fan of another team, um, our plan for the new year, whether the CBA is signed or not, each week we're going to take a division and we're going to do a breakdown of the teams in each division. We know the Braves really well. We know the Phillies really well. We know the Cubs really well. And we know our rivals pretty well as well, because let's face it, when you watch baseball as much as we do, we know to watch our rivals. But especially the American League teams in particular, because we all like National League teams, we don't know those teams as well. So if you're a fan of whether it's a National League team or an American League team, And you'd like to either write us up some of your thoughts, record some of your thoughts, and we can put them into an episode. Or if you'd like to join us live, we would love to have you on now that we're doing um, live video every week. This has been a lot of fun, honestly. And it's also, you know, like I pointed out last, uh, last week or two weeks ago, I had a pretty nasty sore throat, which, you know, given the state of the world today, if we had all been live, I would have canceled the show. Because... I didn't have COVID, but I didn't know that I didn't have COVID and I didn't want to risk giving it to you guys. So this video format lets us be able to have the show, even if we're feeling, you know, a little crappy. So and also this lets us get together no matter where we are. So if you're a fan of wherever and you would like to join us, please let us know. Shoot us a message. Um, Jason's going to be putting up some posts on the Facebook page. You know, comment on that. Let us know. I haven't set the schedule yet for how we're going to do all the divisions, so that's all up in the air. I can move that around to fit schedules, you know, whatever it is. So, uh, you know, that's going to be the goal. We're going to, you know, each week we're going to pick a division. We're going to break it down. We're going to look at what they've made, what they've lost, you know, what we think they should do and where we think they're going to be next year. So, guys, um, you know, keep the interaction going because that really does help us a lot gives us something to do besides just talk about what happened in the last week. So that's going to, Joe, do you have anything else you want to throw out before we end the year on the dollar dogs and beer podcast?
1: No, I just want to echo what you said. I want to thank my wife and my family for being accommodating of, of, you know, being able to talk baseball every week uh, with you guys. You know, she's been great helping me make this happen. So. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, we, we
0: want to give a special shout out to Karen, too, because uh, Jason's wife, because not only has Karen thrown a ton of good questions for us to answer, she was also willing to give up her basement for a while when we started recording in Jason's basement in the man cave which uh, what I, I will admit was very helpful to just look over at the wall to see what the current standings were so we didn't have to pull it up on another browser page. Yeah. So um, special shout-out to you, Karen, and to my wife, Ariel, for uh, after we realized that the early laptop was uh, giving us a lot of audio issues in the recording so we could come here and record directly onto my uh, desktop computer, which had the uh, processing power that you didn't hear all that annoying clicking that you heard in the first couple episodes, which, guys, I, I do still apologize for that. If you go... If you go back and listen to the early episodes, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about fairly quickly. Um, and you know, also for software like Audacity, that makes it easier for me to edit that stuff out, so we can, uh, so you can hear us more and the clicking and the background noise is less. So. All right, guys. So that's that's gonna be a wrap for us for 2021. You can find us on Anchor, on Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Apple Co- Apple Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spreaker, Amazon Music. You can see us live on our YouTube page. You can see us live on Facebook and live on Twitter. Um, follow us on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash dollar dogs and beer. Follow us on our Twitter page at Dollar Dogs and Beer. Actually, I'm sorry, it's uh at Dollar Dogs. Uh, at ddab underscore podcast i gotta i have to stop using the old uh the old closing my apologies uh, find us on twitter Anders at pyrolord314 jason's at j-r-i-e-k-e-r-300 hopefully for the last time i have to say that joe is at jolton joe 35 we are presented by dark arrow podcast llc may your dogs always cost
1: a dollar may your beer always be cold have a good night everybody